Well, good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another Wednesday Night Live. Uh, it just is such a great chance where we get to refill. That's why we always have this midweek service. You can't go just Sunday to Sunday. We need something in between to get filled up, to have fellowship, and fellowship not only through our chat. So make sure if you are on Facebook, you right now type hi, say hello, say where you're watching from. This is a great time to enter into our watch journey challenge so you need to hashtag it take a picture where you're watching this service and then tag us to get a chance to receive a prize so with that fellowship i am surrounded by some amazing godly men we have jeffrey paul rodriguez that's a very regal name yeah it's it's, that's my british name it's very full and yeah (laughs) if i was in uh, europe it would have lord by it but i don't do it we have the newly officially locked down Jeffrey Bonesaw Barnett with us. Yeah. Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited, man. Yeah, I would be too. Um, we are in. Wait, for- wait. What does locked down mean? There's an inside joke here. What is that? I got engaged, so. I kind of figured that one. <laughs> Congratulations, brother. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited. I'm happy for you. And our, our final panel guest is uh, one of my mentors, the amazing Pastor Randy Weir. Uh, yeah, pretty much gotten a chance to go through so many books and studies with you. I even woke up at some ungodly hour to do a, a book with you and Barnett and Urango. So I'm glad you're here. <laughs> you remember the book is the question because it was so early. I that was forced to, yeah. This is what when Randy gives you those book? eyes, like you're paying attention. I'm there. What was the name of the book? Well, we did a bunch of them. Yeah, <laughs> not That's the early one of the Chambers books. I can't they remember. Were, no, they were all early, Jeff. We woke yeah. up at six, didn't we, or something? Yeah, six yeah. in the morning. Yeah, spiritual leadership, Jay Oswald. Uh, yeah, Chambers. Yeah, and love, acceptance, forgiveness. See, dude, the guy was sleepwalking until about yeah. 11 that day. So if, if you want some info from Randy, he has some great books and resources. So make sure if you're interested, why don't you put in a comment that you were, you're interested in some of the books and we can talk about getting something together. But thank you guys for being here. Um, one of the things that most people know about Randy, but some may not, is he is an avid fisherman. He even teaches a fishing class, fly fishing class. Fly so, fishing. Fly fishing. So the question for tonight, and feel free to chime in online, is what is your favorite fish? Go ahead, Randy. What do you what do you got? Human when it comes to gospel fishing. But when it's fly fishing, rainbow trout. That's good. That was a very godly answer to start. Wow. That was <laughs> I gave you two thumbs up right fish, there. Right? Fishers of men. Yeah. Who's up, Jared? What about you? Yeah, I'm not super big fish guy, uh, but I mean, I don't mind eating uh, some shark. I love good shark if I'm going to eat it. Or uh, if you put a lot of bread and tartar sauce on fish, I can usually choke down that pretty easily. So. <laughs> yeah, like shark fin soup. That's your favorite. Yeah, I've had shark fin <laughs> several times. Yeah, I have pita on line one. So keep going. What was the? <laughs> I knew you had it, man. I could, I could totally see you. You'd eat that soup. I've had it. I'm what sure in Taiwan or some of those, one of the, whatever, Hong Kong or wherever you went to. Yeah. Uh, for me, 
if it's cooked, I love salmon. I think it's one of the best uh, meats out there. It's just so good. You could do so much with it. You could just put it with butter or you could put teriyaki, all kinds of flavors or just a little lemon. It's awesome. If I'm going to eat raw fish, then it's fatty tuna. I love poke or or uh, sushi, things like that. So it's good. I know Dustin's favorite spot right there. Yeah, I know. Talking to me. That's one of my love languages. Um, I'm definitely going to go with Nemo. So wow. I don't know what you guys are. <laughs> Nemo wow. and flounder. This is classic Disney fish. Um but let us know what you like to eat in the way of fish online or also what you like to catch if you're a fisherman or a fisherwoman or a fisher person, whatever you are. Let's hear about it. But we're going to go ahead and get started on our study of Romans. And we're we're nearing the end. You say that every week, actually. But we're really, really nearing the end. And this week we're talking about something I'm very passionate about. And it's this being called by God and feeling useful uh, in your call, kind of what we go through in life to feel useful. So to kind of get us up to speed of where we are, um, you know, there's studies of human nature that have suggested that one of our greatest human needs and wants personally is a sense of significance. And I know I'm not the only one that feels that type of way because uh, I, I feel strongly agree with that. We all want to have that feeling that we've contributed something big in our lives, um, something that's been worthwhile and a valuable contribution. And that's one of the greatest blessings of Jesus Christ is you see in him, we are significant. He already sees us as that. And he knows he loves us so much. He gave his life for us, but he truly sees value in each and every one of us and each and every one of you listening at home or listening in a car. Um, it doesn't matter how much money we make. It doesn't matter the tier on the ladder that you rise up to in your job market. Uh, it doesn't matter how many things you have. It doesn't matter how attractive you are or how talented you may be, how many friends you have around us. None of those things make us significant. Uh, it's actually lying in the position as being children of God. That's the most significant thing that we are going to go through in our lives is that significance of being in this family of God and his great eternal plan. So there's joy and there's blessing and there's significance in doing God's will. And that's what we're going to be spending time on tonight. Uh, his purpose uh, for Paul adding these verses is talking about a fruitful ministry. He's getting to the point where he is uh, looking towards Rome and we're about to see moving beyond. And he is trying to show the people of Rome the significance of being, spending time with them and their significance of moving forward in the gospel. So being called on their purpose and what they are going to do in life and the significance that that brings. So. If you are listening or watching right now and kind of searching for a significance moving forward, I ask you to just open your hearts and minds right now and listen to these uh, gentlemen that have given their lives up to the Lord and have made a huge impact moving forward to try to give some of their tips, their techniques, and sort of how they've listened and adhered to the call of what God had on their lives. So I'm excited to move forward with this and seeing what fruitful ministry can be in our own lives. So we're going to start with uh, chapter 15. So if you don't have your Bibles right now, open up your app or go run and get your Bible. But turn with us to chapter 15, and we're going to start with verse 22 as I bring the screen up. J-Rod, you're on the hot seat. We're going to go back a couple of verses. Dustin's got us to kind of put it in context. It says, in fact, 
my visit to you has been delayed so long because I've been preaching in these places. But now I have finished my work in these regions. And after all of these long years of waiting, I'm eager to visit you. I'm planning on to go to Spain. And when I do, I will stop off at Rome. And after I have joined, enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, you can provide for my journey. Uh, but before I come, you must go to, that's not it, right? I'm stopping. Yeah, you're good. Okay. You got me. I got a little confused. I know. Sorry. I got jumpy fingers here. That's all right. You know, I love, uh, I love this verse because it shows me being a pastor for many years and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to Randy's years of ministry, but, uh, and uh, it's going to be a while until I catch up to him. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but it shows me that, you know, you don't always get to do what you want. Anybody know that song? You can't always get what you want. And, you know, he wants to be in this place. And I was thinking about this as I was reading it. He hasn't been to Rome, but he's giving us uh, writing a book to Rome. And that's why this book is so strong in theology and doctrine, because he's trying to help uh, reestablish or replant or give this church structure. So over these 16 chapters in Ro uh, Romans, he's trying to help this church that he's never been to and put form and function in this church. And that's really important because all the other books, he doesn't have to dig into the form and function because he was there in the physical planning. And so this book has probably some of our greatest verses in the Bible. But I guarantee you, if anybody says Romans is my favorite book, eh, it, there's a lot of stuff in there that's hard to understand. There's there's three or four chapters in, in 9 to 11, 9 to those are some of the hardest chapters in all of theology. So we have our favorite verses in here. I don't know if it's our favorite book. So that's just one of the things I, I've learned over time. But I love seeing this is that he wants to go to Rome. His heart is for people. Paul's one of those guys, if he could be in 25 different places every day, he would try and do it. And you know what? At the end of his ministry, he really accomplished it because he was so successful in building up leaders and leadership. And as I look, I listen, listen to Dustin kind of give adoration to Randy. I see that in Randy. Randy has that heart. He wants to build up young guys. And I know that he's been an impact in all three of our lives here. I've sat with him and I let him pick me apart all the time and he builds me up. And, and I love that challenge. And so Paul wants to be in different places, but he really wants to go to this church. But I love this because he's like, I'm on my way, but I'm going to stop here first. And uh, because I'm going to preach the gospel in areas that aren't being preached, and then I'm going to go and try and get to you. So even though he knows there's a church in Rome and it's doing okay, he goes, I'm going to go other places and preach because that's more important is to establish another church in another region. And if I can make it back to there, I will. And uh, then he says, make sure then you can provide for my journey uh, on the way back out. So I love what's going on here. And uh, he has his eye constantly on uh preaching the gospel and and reeling in those those manly womanly fish that Randy talked about that was always his priority and the truth is that's not always christians priority our priority is how god works for me and how he's helping me and blessing me and making me a better person and the truth is i don't know when we get to heaven if god's going to go man that's about 5% 
95% is another way. And I know that's where Dustin wants to go today is finding that significance in the text. And what I found out is the more that I give my life over to God and the more that I follow his will, even if it's not what I really want, I find more significance in who I am. So a really great text today, uh, Dustin. Thanks for letting me kick it off. Yeah. Um, I think you you spoke about it really well. It's Paul had an idea to plant churches. He had an idea to go all over the place. And what he did is he had a, a plan. And I was getting the right verbiage talking to Randy before about, and he used the word assignment. And I love that word. And that's kind of stuck with me. So Paul got an assignment to move forward. And so he planned everything to the T and he would stop and he'd listen to God. Sometimes his plans got thrown off course and he'd just you know, do an audible and go somewhere else. But the important thing is he put the time in and he planned and he listened and went forward. So I want to talk to a couple of the guys on this panel. Uh, do you feel like God has given you an assignment, kind of what was given to Paul, a, a reason to go not only to Rome, but beyond? Uh, so has God given you assignment? And if so, what is it or what has it been? And I want to start with the, the sensei, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I gave my life to Jesus in 1971, a few years ago. What? And <laughs> and the first assignment I got was Matthew chapter 28, which he really gives that assignment to all Christians to go what? Make disciples and teach them in the ways of God. And uh, I started doing that in 1971. I wasn't doing any kind of ministry at that time until it was an opportunity to teach Sunday school for the first time. And, uh, you know, I took that because I, I felt like I, I wanted to do something. I just wanted to sit there in the pews. And listen, we had real pews in the church I was at, little church, whole chapel, just a few people, 12 people there. And uh, I just I, I felt like I needed to do something. So I longed for more and more of that. And that's when uh, that kind of original big assignment, all of a sudden I got a specific one, Ralph Moore, who started all the whole chapels came up to my wife and I, we were, it was 1974 when we got married and they were just starting to plant another church down in Culver City. Matter of fact, the building we were going to use was two blocks from my house. And he asked us, he said, hey, we want to plant a church down there and we'd like you to go down there, you and Janet. And I looked at him, I said, I'm not going anywhere. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to die in this place and be here with you. And we're going to be old men together. Well, next thing I know, me and Janet are down in Culver City, helps start and plan a church called New Life Fellowship. You know, the pastor didn't want to call it Hope Chapel. He wanted to call it something different than that. I was going, no, it's called Hope Chapel. Uh, but, you know, that was an assignment that he gave to me there, a specific one. And he, is, he has led us over and over again. I mean, we did New Life Fellowship there in Culver City. Then God... We were there five years, pastoral change went, and I felt God was probably going to release me and put me somewhere else. Went and talked to Ralph, said, Ralph, you know, I, I you know, and, and this was it. I, I started walking up the stairs to the bowling alley where we were meeting, and and uh, I asked the Lord, do you want me coming to Hope Hermosa, and that was our main church, or do you want me going somewhere else? And he said, I'm going to send you somewhere else. So I felt like I didn't need to go talk to Ralph, but I wanted to know if he was picking up on the Holy Spirit. So I went up there anyway, and I asked him, and when I said, hey, I, I don't know what we're supposed to do, Ralph. I just know we're supposed to be somewhere, and, you know, wh where do you want me to go? You know, where's where's the assignment? They had just started another Hope Chapel in Westchester. He said, I want you to go in there, and I felt like that was right. 
And then, you know, in 1985, I left that church and we had another assignment to come up here in Ventura and pastor a church for 18 years. You know, took seven years off. And then I met the crazy Jeff Rodriguez at uh, another church. And uh, that church kind of was falling apart a little bit. And Jeff and I, you know, I don't know. There was a real connection, Jeff. I don't know if you remember that, but I remember you and I talking that one time. And I was waiting for my assignment because I believe with all my whole heart he assigns. And uh, I I remember I I talked to my wife later that night, and I felt the Lord said, you're going to journey. That's where you guys are going to be. And you're going to be there and you're going to, you know, you're going to teach, you're going to disciple, you're going to do whatever I ask you to do. So, yeah, I believe in assignments. So, I don't know, I guess that was kind of long. Sorry. Oh, that's good. That's good stuff. Uh, I want to hear from Barnett, too, because you're very purposeful in listening to God. You're someone that uh, over the years I've, I've learned to just actually listen to you and process it because you're always you seem to be right on. And even just a little bit ahead of the game, because I know you're listening to God. So what is uh, what what do you feel like your assignment is moving forward? Uh, well, there's a, a few things, you know, I remember being a young person. I'm not I guess I'm still young. You know, I like to think of young. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny when you're like out of college and you're like, man, like college students You've been are out of college for a long time now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been out of college for like 12 years or something. Wow. Just scary. But, uh, you know, for me, I, it was all about the it was all about the assignment. Right. And I think a lot of young people who are listening in, you know, they make the mistake of thinking the assignment is your identity. When Randy just shared about how his assignments have changed. Right. Different places, different locations, planning churches, working with different people. So I'm now I'm I'm very leery of just defining myself based off an assignment, you know. Uh, one of my favorite stories I heard of uh, is Bob Jones. He was a prophetic guy. Um, and I guess he had a heart attack, a massive heart attack, died, you know, went to the prayer of the gates and he saw the Lord and the Lord asked him, Bob, did you learn to love? And his, you know, you can't lie to the Lord. And, and he said, you know, no, Lord, I, I really haven't. And so the Lord kind of sent him back uh, to the earth. And that always stuck with me because I, I really believe like, our primary mission, yeah, is to to learn how to love. And I, I think that goes along with the Great Commission of making disciples, right? To teach people because Jesus was all about love. So I, that is kind of my primary, like where I find, um, like that's in everything I, I do, that's what I want to do. But as far as like a specific assignment, you know, I know he's called me to like to pray and, and intercede to really to, to spend time with him in, in the throne room. And that that's like something I've always fought against. You know, it doesn't come naturally to me to want to just sit and pray or or do that. You know, I'm kind of much more much more of a doer. But so I, I do that and also teaching other people. I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding the Bible. So I, I have a desire to teach it, to make it simple, right? Not to complicate it. And so, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. That's really good wisdom. Uh... And I want to encourage the people online right now. So why don't you put your assignment, if you feel comfortable, or feel what you feel like God's calling you to do right now in the chat. And the cool thing is about that is that there may be someone else reading that. We could be seeing these comments and help you kind of get on the right tracks for that assignment. Maybe you just don't know how to start moving forward. 
and one of us can help you or someone else online can help you. So why don't you put that in the chat to let us know what direction you're going. But as I, I listen to Randy and Barnett speak, it's uh, you gave a lot of time to prayerfully listen to God. Uh, you, you didn't just start moving. You were like, okay, this is something that God has put on my heart and is able to then move forward. So I want to know, do you personally prayerfully uh, look forward to plan like what's next? Do you bring God in the equation first? And how do you plan personally? And I'm going to start with one of the, the biggest dreamers that I know. Uh, one of your gifts, uh, J-Rod, is being able to be a visionary and think outside the box. So how do you prayerfully look forward to what's supposed to be happening next? Well, I mean, that's a great question because I'm right there right now just trying to figure. Currently, I'm up north in a prayerful kind of journey of when, how are we going to reopen? How do we make it healthy? How do we make it safe? And, you know, reaching out to people and really just kind of spending some time uh, uh, journeying with God, trying to figure out how to reopen. So, yeah, I mean, if you're not investing in prayer, if you're not being prayerful it doesn't make sense to really have a relationship and i think about your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your husband if you don't communicate with them and if you don't listen to them you're not going to have a good relationship and so yeah i definitely have big dreams big dreams and one of my dreams is to come back uh to church with 300 people praying together and watch an explosion of the gospel go through this pleasant valley and beyond it'll be this amazing tsunami of of god's love and you know one of my dreams and i'll just keep it short is to have uh, you know all these guys teaching weekly at a different location with their own congregation and you know my dream is in 10 years still to have uh you know 10 churches and people just loving uh jesus and we're growing churches and we're growing leaders and we're growing elders and we're growing kids i mean Last week, we introduced Barnett. He's going to be married soon. Dustin's got a kid. Randy, he just keeps growing uh, a better fisherman each and every season. And so, yeah, I got big dreams, and I put prayer right in the middle of them. I remember Jeff Barnett, you talk about him being wise, a long time ago gave me a book about prayers and big dreams. And uh, I read it, and it was one of the greatest books I ever read because basically now at 10 years in journey, I got to reinvent my dream because they've all basically came to fruition. I think that's a huge part that people need to stop and listen to that too. What you just said that you had to stop and reinvent your dreams too. So God's going to continue to grow you and move you past what you already had in your dreams. And there's been a couple of messages. Barnett gave one about his dream book, dream journal, whatever you want to call it. And looking back and seeing how it, it, it a lot of them have come to pass. And it's like that God wants you to grow even more and introduce more things and start going far beyond what you originally thought you were going to be able to do. So I think that's a great point you just made, J-Rod. Uh, but I'll kick it back to Randy for one last moment. Uh, how do you prayerfully look forward to what's next? You've accomplished so much doing kingdom work. How do you feel moving forward? Like what's your next steps being called to do? Well, let me say something about dreams a little bit. You know, I think God gives us big dreams. Sometimes those dreams change a little bit too. And sometimes you don't see the whole, you know, the whole thing come about or, or it changes in some kind of a direction. And we're open for that. I think, you know, God said, let it happen and it happens. So he's the biggest dreamer of all. And, you know, we're created just like him. But, you know, being an old guy like me, do I still have dreams? You better believe I do. And it's the dream that the pastor has right there. 
the, the CR church really uh, touched thousands of people's lives. And uh, to see Journey, you know, start and plant churches throughout Ventura County and throughout the world. We're already doing them throughout the world. Now we just got to focus more kind of like exactly what the gospel said, right? You were going to preach preach it where? In Jerusalem, Judea, and the other parts of the world. So in our own kind of Jerusalem area, Cambrio there, and then Judea kind of working beyond Ventura County and pressing on. So, yeah, I, you know, I've got those dreams. I think all Christians should have the dream to see people come to Christ, you know, give their lives to What a change. I mean, it gives such great hope. Or, or in COVID, there's no hope without Christ. And uh, that's why we got hope as Christians, right? Because we, Jesus is our anchor. And, and I, I, I love that. So yeah, keep dreaming. All of us got to have dreams. And uh, I, I love these, what these men are saying that they have big dreams, but they've also put a process in of how to make those dreams happen. God will start aligning the steps to make it happen, but we also have to start looking forward to make wise and informed decisions to try to move from step to step doing that forward. So if you want to start changing people's lives around you with the help of Jesus, of course, then you need to start planning. Like, how am I going to talk to this person? How am I going to live life with this person? How am I going to actually make a difference where I'm going and start putting those plans in the motion? So I'd encourage you guys start planning right now. Start listening to God. I heard that over and over about listening to him, having a conversation with him and see what he wants you to do. So next, we're going to go to verses 25 through 29. And that will be with Barnett sharing that word. Yeah. I just thought, too, people can put their dream in the comment section. It'd be kind of cool. Like, God, put something on your heart while you're listening. Just share that. It'd be pretty awesome. But uh, here we go. Let's read this. Um, this is Paul again. He says, before, but before I come, I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. They were glad to do this because they feel they owe a real debt to them since the Gentiles received the spiritual blessings of the good news from the believers in Jerusalem. They feel that they feel the least that they can do in return is to help them financially. As soon as I have delivered this money and completed this good deed of theirs, I will come and see you on my way to Spain. And I'm sure that when I come, Christ will richly bless our time together. So there was something that Paul wanted to do before he went to Rome. Um, the poor had always been on his heart. Uh, early in his ministry, when he met with uh, James and Peter and John, uh, he promised them that they, they would uh, he would continue to do everything in his power to, to help the poor believers in Jerusalem. I'm not sure exactly what was going on in the time. Maybe it was because they were facing um, religious persecution or exile, right? If you convert a Christ, uh, to a Christian, you would be kind of blacklisted and, and it would almost like you'd, uh, like, like kind of what you would imagine happening in China if you're a Christian there and they find out it's like you can't do business. There's just, you're kind of excluded from the community. Even I know Agabus and Acts uh, predicted a famine. So there's all kinds of things happening uh, possibly in that time. But I think what this is, is really, if I were to kind of uh, sum it up, it's a beautiful picture of unity and charity and commitment and how people can 
um, decide to bless uh, other believers physically, right? Because sometimes we just think, oh, you know, it's all about uh, the spiritual growth or just uh, our spiritual needs. Well, there's also physical needs and material needs. Uh, they didn't have PayPal. They didn't have Venmo or a way of getting money from one place to another. And so Paul was was going to be the one to collect it, to be the one to distribute it to the needy believers in Jerusalem. And it's just really a powerful, powerful thing because it was from the Jews that we re received salvation, right? Jesus came, he was a Jew Jewish man. And now you see these Gentiles uh, giving back in the appreciation uh, for all that they have done, you know, especially the suffering that they were going through of being uh, kind of a, a new, kind of being a new religion in in an established uh, Jewish tradition or world back then. And so, yeah, there's a lot going on, and, but it's uh, really awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah, I think you, you, my favorite word you used was this unity moving forward. He wanted to bring these people together. And by doing that, I mean, when you combine people and their gift mix and what they can do, some of their exuberance and excitedness, then you can spread the gospel better than ever before especially than you can do on your own. We're just with one group of people doing something. Um, but he made this promise and he feels a responsibility to answer that call. And that's a, the kind of guy that Paul was is he delivered on his promises. So personally, I want to get to the panel is how do you invest in people or feel a responsibility towards people like Paul feels since he's answering this call? How do you personally feel this as well? I'm going to start with Randy. Uh, well, you know, I mean, I felt that responsibility, you know, in my life at a very young age, you know, kind of as we are being sent out. I think God starts stirring in my heart the need to disciple people. I got discipled first by one guy that took me through the Design for Discipleship books, which I've taken, you know, Dustin through and his group there and a lot of other people. And still to this day, I've been doing that. Oh, my gosh, man, for 45 years, almost doing that. And then, uh, you know, so I, I feel that deep sense of, of responsibility to invest in people. Paul the Apostle said, I pour myself out like a drink offering. That's investing. And I've always felt like I, I, I can't just sit back. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I need, I need to be giving, you know, whether it's taking people through the discipleship books or taking them through leadership books, you know, ministry philosophy books whatever it might be. Those are the formal things that I like doing. And the informal things I like doing is just hanging out, you know, go we'll get a cup of coffee or get a free uh, breakfast from uh, the pastor, <laughs> from Pastor Jeff, you know, from time to time. But I, I, I would minister to people and just hang out with them, whether it be fly fishing, whether it be hiking, whether it be camping, whatever it might be. I, I would just, that's how I would pour my life out as a drink offering to people. And, and I'm still trying to do that. And, I'm going to keep doing it as long as I possibly can. So, and, and I love it. Such a great fulfillment to be able to be used by God. Yeah, Barnett, you do this really well because every time at church, I see you surrounded by people and it's no accident. It's because you're trying to, to teach people different things to move through. You, you're always trying to teach. So how do you personally invest in people like that? How do you get that responsibility? You know what? I, I feel like, uh, I've kind of gone through phases, right? Like I, you know, in ministry and, and to be honest, other, there's times where you have disappointments, 
you know, Paul even writes of like disappointments he had were of being abandoned by certain people or certain people going back to the world or walking away from the faith. And, and to be honest, there, there's a lot of that. And sometimes that can almost uh, create within you like uh, a cynicalness, right? To where you're like, oh man, like, you know, people are just going to let me down. But I've, I've had to work on that and really uh, realize that it's not about how that person responds. It's about like what Randy was saying, being that drink offering. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, in a sense, put myself on the line, whether they deserve it or not. And one thing that I've seen that's um, how, um, how I guess I, I investing in people is just realizing that we're just like iron sharpens iron, that we're not going to be our best selves if we don't have true accountability and relationship. Um, I have a workout partner, uh, Josh, and it's just been interesting over the past year of how we we've been able to push push each other, right? Because some days he's doing better than I am. Some days I'm doing better. It just depends on the day. And I've just realized like, wow, like we're, we've gotten in a lot better shape, but we've done it uh, together because we kind of have that mutual accountability. You know, we call each other, text like, Hey, you want to work out today? But I also see that true in a Christian sense. And, and I know that doesn't seem very popular uh, today, Right. Like people just don't, you know, they're like, oh, mind your own business or you don't need, you know, kind of. But I really think that is uh, very important, like investing in, in one another for especially for spiritual growth is that we call out the best in, in one another. Right. I'm not talking about accountability as like condemning someone or criticizing someone or or being a stumbling block. But as far as like really having the love for them that you're willing to tell them the truth, which is hard. Right hard the hard love sometimes and investing people is such a huge uh experience and uh j-rod you talked about this i think it was last week um how you have people kind of you go around people and then show them different uh services that you can do you just you know start walking with them hey why don't you help me with this and you're investing in people's lives uh and so much of your life personally uh, is meant is an act of service. That's what you do. You just you go and do everything there is to do. <laughs> you're you're just the guy that loves to serve. So I want to go back to one of the first memories of that you had about serving. Um, did you feel accomplished? Nervous? Like, can you go back in your memory bank and just talk about this acts of service um, and kind of that first time you felt a purpose in in doing some type of service? Well, when I was in the Jesus movement, <laughs> oh, sorry, I was channeling Rami there for a second. No, when I was locked up, I remember the first time I led a Bible study. I have no idea, I had no business re- leading the Bible study. I think I had read like 12 chapters in Matthew and they're like, hey, do you want to do a Bible study? I'm like, I'm 12 chapters into the Bible and it's taken me 20 days to get there, right? It took me a long time because I kept reading it going, what are they saying? Anyways. I remember, and I want you to listen to me if you've ever had nervousness and and being frightened about teaching, because that happened my first day. I led a Bible study, and all I did was say, hey, we're going to read Matthew chapter 7, verse you know 1 through 12. That's all I really did. It's not like I did anything. But the point is, I, I, I Dustin's asking this great question. I was nervous. I was scared. Afterwards, everybody was excited. And I remember one thing I said during that day really touched about four or five people. It was like like a little bit of a, 
a God shot to people through something I said, and I didn't even really know what I said. They were just like, oh man, that was so good. But the point that I was trying to get at was, I still feel that way. A lot of times I go up on stage or give a message. I still feel like, man, am I worthy enough? Do I know enough? And I've been doing this. I don't have as many gray hairs as Randy, but I've been doing this for a long time and I still don't always feel worthy. And some of that's the enemy trying to trip me up. But a lot of that is there's just so much to know. And I'm just a young buck in this. There's I still got a lot of growth to happen. So if you're being asked to teach junior high or high school or kids rock or even uh, maybe teach a, a, a child, even at your home, don't feel like underqualified is not a good place. God uses that a couple of weeks ago, I think we talked about he uses the unqualified to teach the qualified. And so he uses the less than. And so he really likes you when you're broken because you're not boasting. So anyways, yeah, very nervous, very scared. Still, I think my last two messages ago, I was so frightened to preach this message in my living room with nobody there. It was terrifying. That's good. Uh, Barnett, what about for you? I mean, you've, you've been serving in so many different areas. How how was that first time you started to give back to God? How did that change you or how did you feel? Yeah, you know, like stacking up chairs or doing tech or PowerPoints, I start off with that. But, you know, I think for me, what really stands out, uh, I met with Steve Ogney. He's no longer with us, but uh, I don't even know why I was meeting him. They just say, oh, you got to meet this guy, you know, just talk with him and whatever. I don't know why, but I remember one thing he he brought up and I wasn't really comfortable, with, but it was tithing, right? He's like, oh, it's great. You're doing all these things, but you don't really have uh, you don't really have any kind of discipline in, in tithing. And I remember that, and it kind of really changed me because I, I didn't really grow up with a lot of money, right? I was kind of cheap uh, to the extreme back then, you know? Like, I wanted to buy, like, go to Wendy's and make sure the meal is, like, under five bucks. Like, I was really cheap. That was for two I, people. I remember, huh? That was for two people, too. Yeah, like that was like, you know, <laughs> I don't know what happened to those days because now, you know, I spend too much on going out to eat, you know, not like getting, uh, you know, like three $1 nuggets and a baked potato. That was like my my, my deal back in the day, my, my Jeff special. <laughs> you guys probably know that, you know, you have your little special, uh, safe, you know, no hard times. You got those little uh, menu items, the dollar menu, but uh, he really challenged me to the tithe. And that was hard, and I, I I made the commitment to tie ten percent. And I look at as that as a way of service. Just like um, if we go back to the scripture of the, the churches of them giving to the believers, giving giving to the church so that the church can help those believers. And that was a very hard thing, and that's why I still remember it. But I've been blessed because of that. You know, God always promises to bless you more than what you give Him, and it's definitely been true over these past few years. And I thank Steve Ogney for, for pointing that out. You know, that's always a hard topic, but it's very, very true. You know, yeah. Amen. You know, God wants to bless you, but you have to, you have to not let, let money be your Lord. You know, no. Amen. we're going to take an offering right now. Yeah, that was perfect. That's just... <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I, there's so many ways that I, I wanted to ask these questions because what Paul's doing is, not only is he getting ready to invest in people, but he's also going to use those people to then invest in other people. And they're going to serve there. They're going to serve over there. And they're going to feel a purpose. They're going to feel this hope. They're going to feel like they're making a difference in the world. So if you guys, uh, I want to hear how you guys are serving. Put that in the chat right now. And let's start celebrating some of the ways that you've been doing these acts of service. And 
uh, one of the things is it's hard to always take note. Uh, you may be serving and you may not feel like you're getting appreciated. I want you to know you are appreciated. God's always watching and you're making him smile whenever you serve and, and sharing your heart. So thank you for serving in any way that you do. Um, but we're going to move on to our next scripture in verse 30. And we're going to have Randy go ahead and read that. All right. Great. There we go. Uh, dear brothers and sisters, I urge you, that's an important word right there, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because of your love for me, given to you by the Holy Spirit. Pray that I will be rescued from those in Judea who refuse to obey God. Pray also that the believers there will be willing to accept the donation I'm taking to Jerusalem. Great section of scripture. Really, really great section of scripture. You know, Paul had given his life to ministry, you know, and he'd been doing this now at this point. I mean, this is probably 60 something AD, I think, when he was writing this and uh, been doing it for decades and decades and decades. Uh, Paul faced struggles. Anybody in ministry faces struggles. I mean, they're going to come. And most of the time, those struggles don't come from circumstances, kind of like COVID. You know, I, I, I feel for Pastor Jeff, I do, and for you guys, you know, and the staff of any church. One of the most difficult things that any pastoral staff has ever had to go through. It's tough. It's circumstances. But most of the time, our struggles in ministry, they're people problems. It, it, it comes from people. It truly does. And we're, we're going to face them, you know. Uh, People listening right now, look, you might not even be in ministry. You're, you're going to be facing struggles. You're going to be facing people's trouble and people's struggles that are going to be going on in your life, just like the Apostle Paul did. God knows our present struggles. He knows our future struggles. And we, we always need to remember that God's always there. Nothing escapes his eye. He's going to be there to support us. He's going to be there to, to, to pick us up, maybe. You know, when, when we can't even walk and carry us, kind of like the, you know, I got that picture of the, the footsteps, you know, where all of a sudden we're walking together with Jesus on the sand and there's two sets. And then all of a sudden there's just one set. Well, he picks us up sometimes. I mean, in ministry, I had some tremendous, tremendous struggles that we went through for, for a pastor in a small church at tough, tough times, really, really tough times. Uh, it's made me, you know, I, I think the man that I am and given me the heart that I have, you know, for, for pastors and people that do give their life in the ministry. Uh, Paul asked them to do something, doesn't he? He asked them to partner with him in prayer through this struggle that he, that, that he's going with. And he says that can be accomplished because of, uh, of the love that the Holy Spirit's put in their life. Remember, the Roman church never met Paul. They never met him. He, he'd been desiring for, for a long, long time to, to get to the Roman church. Just like you said, Pastor Jeff, that, that, you know, that, that place got established, not by him. He wasn't going there. That's why he put it off for such a long time because it was doing a pretty good job. And he felt it was time. God was beginning to push him, uh, you know, that in that direction, you know, kind of he began to, to have plans to, to head that direction. 
you know, but he was struggling through some things. And if, and as you read through this, you know, he's really asking three things, right, of, of the Roman church to do for him. He's asking them that, uh, you know, that, that he would be delivered from those that refuse to obey the gospel, refuse to obey the word of God. We have people that, 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 that are part of the churches where we minister that sometimes they, they just don't want to obey God. And that's a choice. That's a choice. And there were disobedient Jews throughout Judea and throughout Jerusalem that hated him. You know why they hated him? Because he was given the gospel of grace that you can't earn your salvation. It's free. And God's going to love you no matter what you do. My little grandson just recently uh, did something, you know, and, and I just found out and they wanted old grandpa to talk to him. So, you know, grandpa talked to him about, you know, what he did. Said some things he shouldn't said and did some things he didn't. And, and my wife and I, she was listening and, 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 you know, the thing we said, she said, look, I love you no matter what you do, Joe, no matter what you do. And, and that's how God is too. And even though Paul was struggling through, you know, and having people problem, you know, which all pastors are going to do, uh, he still had that heart of love for them. But he was asking them, and I think that's the great thing, that, that they would partner with them in prayer. He really believed, and for any minister, he'd be successful. And Paul wanted success. And success isn't numbers, having a big, huge church. It, it's, it's, it's letting people understand Jesus for who he really is. And really inviting men to their life where he's real. He's personal. Just like I'm talking to you guys. You guys are my friends. Jesus is my friend. But he believed that if the saints would just pray with him, kind of enter into that struggle through prayer, that he'd have protection and he'd have success. And he truly did. And he asked for the gift to be received. Like you said, Pastor, they, they had received an offering. You know, the poor, the poor saints in Jerusalem. I, I don't know why that happened. Maybe it's because they sold all of their goods. A lot of them at the very beginning had a big communal kind of system. And now they didn't have anything to rely back on. I, I don't know what it was. But there was a deep need for for them to to receive, and and I love how he says, "Pray that they'll receive it." And I was thinking, well, why? Because their spiritual pride could have kept them from receiving the gift. And a lot of times, God wants to give us gifts, and so many times we're so spiritually prideful we can't receive. We just need to say, "Lord, I can't make it on my own." We need to break down sometimes and just say, "Hey, man, I." I'm, I'm hurting bad, man. I, I need you to pray for me. I need some money. I mean, that's just how it is. I had people in, in our small church that, boy, when they knew we were struggling financially, you know, I mean, they were willing to give and it was hard for me to receive it. But once I learned that lesson, it was wonderful. And then he, he, he prays that, Hey, pray that I'm going to make it to Rome because I want to come and encourage you. I want to fellowship with you and the Lord. And I miss fellowshipping with you guys. I miss my free breakfast. You know, oh, me too. Exactly. I miss your free breakfast too. You know, I mean, we miss that. That fellowship is something that, boy, we're really, really missing. And I think maybe God's trying to teach the church here. You know, going to the big show on Sunday morning is not what it's all about. It's it's fellowshipping with one another and investing our lives in people, and they allowing them to invest their lives uh, in us. So. I don't know. That's enough. Yeah, that's good. I mean, you talked about a couple subjects that I think really drive it home. Number one is this prayer life that Paul is is living 
and being a part of it. And that's something we're really trying to hammer home, like Jeff was talking about a little bit ago, is we have this prayer challenge because we believe how much prayer is needed. So if you are watching on Facebook and you're in a chat right now, why don't you put down what section you are praying for specifically from our prayer challenge? If you have no idea what I'm talking about with the prayer challenge, we have videos about it, but go on our website and click the first thing you will see. It will take you to sign up to our prayer challenge as well as the app. So we want to hear about your prayers. Put it in the chat. Say what you're praying about. Uh, second thing is that you were talking about the struggles that Paul was going to face from people and, and dealing with that and how we do so. So I'm going to throw this over to J-Rod. So how can we pray? Because this is said over and over again in scriptures, dealing with tough people. <laughs> uh, how do we pray for people that are unaccepting? How can we pray when people are against the message? Uh, how do we pray for people that are against our ideas and kind of what Paul is trying to say? Uh, pray that they're accepting of this gift. How, how do we deal with that? You know, I'm going to say something that people are going to, you know, I was very naive as a church planner. And I'm not a really naive person. I've been through a lot of crap in my life, good and bad crap. And literally I, or figuratively? <laughs> both, literally and figuratively. I rolled through some stuff I should have never rolled through sometimes. But uh, I remember planning the church and thinking about it and grabbing it. And I thought, honestly, this is my the God honest truth. I thought every church in Camarillo was going to run to me and go, here's sound equipment. Here's this. Here's that. Here's all kinds of stuff. And you know what? Only one church really did over the first five years. One church. Everybody else was unaccepting because I get it now. They didn't want to lose any market share in Camarillo with Christians. That's not me. That's not how I believe. But I also have also was naive in thinking that, man, God has done such good things with me. Why wouldn't someone want to hear the message? And why would someone be uh, against something that's been so beneficial to me? And uh, so one of the things that I can tell you is this. In Ezekiel, I think it's 36, it talks about praying that our heart goes from stone to flesh. And one of the ways that I pray for people, and I tell people constantly, if you've got a husband or a wife or a child or a teacher or a worker that you're struggling with, that you pour all kinds of prayer upon them so that their heart will go from stone to flesh. Because if you've ever tried to, you know, chip away a stone, a rock kind of hit it and it comes back at you a hundred times back, you know, a stone needs to really be worked on to get to where it needs to be. And God says, I want that heart turned from a stone where it's not really penetratable or it takes a long time to a place that feels. And a lot of times what happens is when people start to feel, they start to hear and understand God and see God for who he truly is. So for me, I got a couple other things I could say, but the one that I think is the most important is pray that they will have a softened heart and really hear the message and really understand what God is trying to do through whatever is going on in, the, in our lives and their lives. So I'll just kind of stop it at that. Good. Can you add to that, Randy, as well? Yeah. Oh, I, stop griping about those people and start praying for them. Just like Pastor yeah. Jeff said, you know, I think that's really pertinent to do that and, and fervently pray for them. You know, seek God on their behalf. Jesus said we're supposed to pray for enemies, right? Sometimes they're right inside the church. Sometimes there's outside the church, but mostly it's kind of within. And, and what I found out is when I start praying for them, kind of like what you're saying, Jeff, I love that verse in Ezekiel. It takes that hard heart and turns it, you know, in the flesh. And sometimes our hearts are starting to get hard. And 
as as pastors, as we start praying for them, God starts changing our heart. He starts right. softening our hearts too. But like you said, Jeff, we, we need to pray. Pray God soften their hearts. I tell you, praying for your enemies is something else, you know. I mean, remember when I had my uh my neighbor from hell living next door, you know, I mean, just felt I started really needed to pray for that guy and I felt there was a real hurt in his life and darkness and all that. God started changing my perspective on, you know, him and seeing him for who he is and stuff. So I think it's a great thing to do, to pray for him. And I and, and listen, Paul Paul did pray for him. From time to time, though, I mean, I was thinking about this one thing. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but remember that one time he said he wanted to turn the one guy over for the destruction of his flesh. That was a tough one. I wanted to do that a couple of times as a pastor, but I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> I think you got to be an apostle to do that. <laughs> but we got to keep praying and keep yeah. praying. Amen. I'm going to ask an off-the-wall question to Barnett. Um, so you've, you've done some missions work yourself, and you're going into some places where the language isn't fluent. You've been to Slovakia, you've been to Mexico. It's like, how do you... Are, has the message always been accepted when you've gone to these different places or have you had a little bit of resistance or have you felt, how am I going to get my message through to people that um, maybe a language barrier, maybe just a, a knowledge barrier? Like how do you get that message through to other people? Man, that's such a, such a uh, very tough question. You know, I remember um it, it just goes back to that simple truth that people don't really care what you know unless they know that you care, right? And mm -hmm. you don't have to speak someone's language for them to know that you care. Yeah. Whether it's building someone's house in Mexico or giving them food, or even in Slovakia, we would play like board games or be on the same sports team. You know, there's just ways of showing people that compassion. And I think that's just uh, just very important. You know, we say that all the time, but it is so true that, and, and it kind of goes back to investing in people. Like, I think that's the prerequisite to be able to speak in someone's life is for them to really believe that you care for them. Yeah. Man, this is this has been a fun panel. I'm going to end on that question because, uh, I don't know, personally listening to all you guys speak, this is... I got a lot of knowledge out of that. And I hope people at home did too. If you're feeling a, a call on your heart to serve somewhere or in investing in someone or discipling or getting an accountability group with someone or starting your own walk to start moving boldly in the dreams that God placed on your heart. Uh, thank you guys for sharing this, but I'd like to get a last word from each and every one of you kind of sum up what we went over, whatever's on your heart, whatever prayers going on. How about a last word? Uh, we'll start with uh, J-Rod. 300 prayer challenge is really where I'm at right now. I know Dustin kicked it off last week and I was really excited about it. And I'm hoping that many people will join into this and join with us. If you want to be in ministry right now, join us in the prayer challenge. You can go online, click it, and you probably can see it on Facebook right now and click it. It's very simple. You're going to get some great information. You don't have to be a prayer warrior. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. And I guarantee you probably won't even have to pray out loud ever during this prayer challenge. 300 prayer challenge, please be a part of it. What about you, Barnett? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. You know, there's something so powerful when we align ourselves with God. You know, I was just reading in Amos today, which I had a hard, you know, I had to like look into the index to find it. It's such a small book. But he actually, which is kind of crazy, he actually 
uh, was seeing, like had a vision of what God was going to do. God was going to punish uh, Israel or and Judah. And he saw that and he's like, no, Lord, don't do that. Like, don't, he kind of was the, as you would say, um, kind of the intercessory or the, the one to stand in the gap. And, and it said, you know, and then it said in the scripture that God changed his mind, that he, he relented. And I was just like, wow, like that is how powerful, um, when we stand in the gap for people, for our nation, like God will actually relent or, or have mercy upon our country, uh, just because there's somebody that is praying and doing that. And it happened like twice, which is even more amazing. You can check that out in Amos if you look for yourself. It's, it's a powerful, powerful section. Our guest of honor, Randy, what do you got? Uh, you know, Paul made it to Rome. He just didn't get there the way he thought it was going to do. It wasn't on his own plane ticket. It was on the Roman government ticket. And they got him there, and uh, we know what happened to him. He got locked down and put in quarantine, didn't he? Until he finally, you know, was probably executed a few years back beyond that. Uh, the, the thing that makes me... You know, that, that stuck out of my mind is Paul had his plans, you know, just like we have our plans from time to time. And sometimes our plans get changed a little bit. And sometimes they line up with God. Sometimes they don't line up with God. Uh, I, I thought about this, this verse and, and I'll end with this in James 4, 13 through 16, because that's the thought that I had when I was thinking about Paul and, and him finally getting there. Uh, James says this, says, look here, you say today or tomorrow we will go to a certain town. He wanted to go to Rome and we'll stay there a year. Those are our plans. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while. Then it's gone. What you ought to say, and this is how we need to live our life. If the Lord wants us to go. God's plan or God's ways, we will live and do this or do that. And then he says this, otherwise you are boasting about your own plans and all such boasting is evil. Paul got there and he was willing enough to surrender to God and to just go with how God was making it happen. So I think we got to go with God's plan, not ours. That's great. I don't want to say anything else to screw up that moment because it's really good. But one of the ways that I uh, listen to God is actually not only through prayer, but during worship. So we're, we're changing things up tonight. And the reason why you didn't hear worship up front is because we're going to play it right now. So I ask yeah. you guys to just get lost in this moment of worship and, and let God just minister to you as you hear these songs, you listen to these lyrics and you sing them out loud and just let it affect your heart. So we thank you for joining us for this panel, but let's worship and praise Jesus like there's no other. So thank you guys. <laughs>